Your business is an asset that can support a thriving life. I believe this, and I'm committed to making this a reality for every entrepreneur and business owner who listens to this podcast. The Women Thriving in Business podcast was created with you in mind. Whether you're thinking about entrepreneurship or you've been in business for a while, this show has inspiration, information, and advice that you can use to thrive in business. Women Thriving in Business features candid and unscripted conversations with entrepreneurs, business experts, authors, and academics who can contribute to your business success. I talk with leaders who have built thriving organizations and who are willing to share both the positive and challenging realities of the entrepreneurial journey. My name is Nikki Rogers. I am a transformation strategist and the host of the Women Thriving in Business podcast. I work with women leaders to develop the mindset, strategies, and relationships necessary to thrive in business. Join me and your fellow thrivers each week on this journey of discovery and success. Welcome thrivers to this week's episode of Women Thriving in Business podcast. My guest today is Michelle Seiler Tucker, who is the founder and CEO of Seiler Tucker Incorporated. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks for having me on. So, Michelle, let's get right into it. Can you tell us about your business and what got you started on your entrepreneurial journey? Sure. So, I've been in this industry for about a little over 20 years. And my entrepreneurial journey, I've always been an entrepreneur. Even at a very young age, I told my mom I was never going to work for anybody, (laughs) mainly because I don't like to be told what to do. So I've owned different businesses in different industries, but I did end up going to work for Xerox. Xerox actually recruited me, and I was in a high-volume regional sales that they recruited me to. And then within six months, they promoted me to regional vice president, overseeing 100 salespeople. And I learned very quickly that I didn't like management in corporate America for a Fortune 500 company because you just simply can't get anything done. And I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a problem solver, I'm a connector. And in Xerox, you had to go through so much red tape just to get one decision made. And so I realized it wasn't for me. I love people. I love solving problems. I'm solution-oriented. So I ended up transitioning out of Xerox into a franchise. So I started my own franchise sales, franchise development, franchise consulting company. I was an equity partner in different franchise horse businesses. But then I had so many buyers that kept coming to me and asking me for existing businesses because a lot of buyers don't want to be in a franchise. And I kept saying, no, no, no. And my hero, you know, one of my mentors who just passed away, Bob Proctor, always believes in a law of attraction and always says, say yes, yes, yes. So I said, gosh, I got to stop saying no, no, no. So I ended up saying, gosh, I got to do this. I got to start an M&A firm. And I did that a little over 20 years ago. I actually walked into a conference in Vegas of about 3,000 men. They all looked the same. And they turned around and they said, honey, you're in the wrong conference. Dermatology is down the hall. And I said, honey, I'm in the right conference. Maybe you should go to dermatology. (laughs) So I realized then I was entering an industry that was about 99.9% non-dominated. And that's how I got into M&A. 
I'm still in about a 98% male-dominated industry. I specialize in buying. I don't specialize just in selling companies, and that's really a misconception. I really specialize in buying, selling, fixing, and growing. So we buy businesses and flip them. I partner with business owners, investing my money, my co-competencies, my resources, and I put them on what we call Road to Exit Rich program. And when we go on Road to Exit Rich program, we're really building that business to sell and exit within three to five years. So like I said, I specialize in buying, selling, fixing, growing companies. I help business owners exit rich. I help business owners save their company and build a sustainable, scalable, and sellable asset. And like I said, I've been doing that a little over 20 years. I love that. And just digging a little bit deeper into your business. So what types of companies are you typically putting through that cycle? Because this sounds a lot like almost like flipping real estate, right? Because you're buying something that you can fix up and then sell into the next person. So what types of companies typically are you looking for as you're seeking to invest and build it to be sold? So, well, let's start with the sell side. When I sell businesses, we typically, for me, myself, now I have a whole team, but for me, we're industry agnostic. I usually work with business owners, purchase price $10 million and up. My firm will work with businesses a million. We typically don't work with businesses under a million for a multitude of reasons. They're just very difficult. However, I will partner with businesses under a million and get them to what I need to be. So when I'm looking to invest, I'm looking for owners who are still passionate about what they do if they're going to stay in the business. I'm looking for owners that are coachable because you never go to the business beyond what you can grow the owner. And I'm looking for a niche. You're not going to find me investing in restaurants. You're not going to find me investing in just typical everyday businesses. I'm always looking for a niche. So I'll give you an example. I invest in a husband and wife company in Texas, and they specialize in graphics, vehicle wraps for first responders. It's very unique. It's niche but there's still a big uh, target audience for graphics because there are so many first responder vehicles, ambulances, fire trucks, police cars. And they were still very passionate about their business. So those are what, and I'm looking for somebody, like I said, it's coachable, somebody who's going to listen <laughs> and uh, do the opposite of what I tell them to do. As far as buying, my buying, my buying criteria has changed. It used to be where I was interested in kind of flipping over, you know, doing turnarounds and things of that nature. Not anymore. I'm not really as interested in doing turnarounds, buying businesses and turning them around without doing a partnership. And if the owners are not going to stay, then I got to make sure I have the right management team in place. As far as buying businesses, I'm now looking for larger type businesses over a million dollars in EBITDA, which is earning through franchise taxes, depreciation, amortization, businesses that are already sustainable and can be scalable. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Michelle, you talked about being a woman in a predominantly male industry. What were some of the other challenges that you faced as you were getting started? Well, that was one of the biggest ones, but I don't think it really hurt me. I think if anything, it helps me because I've had so many business owners go, I want a woman. I want a woman to represent me. Y'all have more attention, pay more attention to the details. You listen better. I think it actually helped me in a lot of ways. And especially when it came to other women-owned businesses or like, I only want to hire a woman. So I think that was very helpful. The difficult thing is this is a tough industry. It's not for the weak of heart. <laughs> M&A has a 98% failure rate. So you got to be strong. You have to have excellent business acumen. 
you really have to be able to know your USP, your unique selling proposition, and know what makes you different and what makes you unique. It's a tough industry to learn. And I think that was one of the biggest things is because you go to different conferences for our industry and one speaker will get up and tell you to do it one way. Another speaker will get up and tell you a different way. So there's really no continuity. So right. I'm just figuring out what works and not listening to everybody else. Now, of course, I you know listen to what I think is the right way early on. But I always said that you walk out of those conferences more confused than when you went in. So that really inspired me to also start a five-day training course 600 page, right? A 600 page training manual. So I train individuals, teach individuals how to do what I do, how to enter in this industry and provide a, a huge service that's needed for business owners. And there is a huge service and make great money along the way. So mm-hmm. I feel like I train them the way it should be done. And I also feel like I'm not just training them how to sell companies, I'm training them how to partner with business owners, how to buy, how to flip how to specialize in buying, selling, fixing, growing. Yeah, I love that idea of one, partnering with owners, but also you actually giving back to the industry, right? And like helping to create more people who are doing the work that you do. Yes, because um, it's not like the real estate industry. If you look at the real estate industry, there's over a million real estate agents, you know, and the average real estate agent makes like 20000 a year. But if you look at M&A selling companies, there's maybe 3,000, 3,500, 3,600. So it's a lot less competition, a lot less people doing it. But it's a lot harder mm-hmm. to really be successful. But there's a lot less competition and a lot bigger paychecks in selling real estate. Now, as you think about your over 20 years in business, what have been some of the accomplishments that you're most proud of? So there's a lot. What makes, why I'm still so, because people are always asking me, Michelle, when are you going to retire? And I'll retire when I stop living what I do. Mm. And I love what I do. I love helping business owners exit rich, retire rich, because according to Steve Forbes, who endorsed my book, Exit Rich, 80% of businesses will never sell. And according to M&A Source, 90% will never sell. So 80 to 90% of businesses on the market will never sell. That should be a huge wake-up call for business owners because that means that you literally have less than a 10 to 20% chance of success. And business owners spend their, their life, they're investing all their money, they're investing all their time, energy, effort, they're making huge sacrifices along the way. Many of them are not able to go to their kids' events, their kids' sporting events. They're not able to take vacations. I talked to one business owner who hasn't taken a vacation in nine years and that's literally all of his kids' events. And so what kind of life is that? We go into business for financial freedom. We go into business for a better quality of life, for more freedom to spend with our family. And so it's just very important to me to help these business owners recoup all of that investment, recoup all those sacrifices that they made along the way. You'll never get the time back. At least you can sell your business for enough that you can finally, finally obtain the lifestyle you've always dreamed of for you and your family. And so that's really important to me. It's also very important to me to help save businesses because it used to be when I wrote my very first book, Study Business for More It's Worth in 2013, was 98% of startups would fail within the first one to five years. We all know that. But then when I wrote Exit Rich in 2019, 2020, I did the exact same research and learned the business landscape as football. Now it's only 30% of startups are going out of business. 
But out of 27.6 million companies, those businesses have been in business over 10 years or longer, 70% are going out of business. So my biggest accomplishment is to help save these businesses, really try to help save the American economy because small business is the backbone of our economy. There's 30.2 million businesses in the United States. If you got 70% out of 27.6 million going out of business, that means these business owners are exiting poor, they're selling for pennies on a dollar, or even worse, they're filing bankruptcy. And the media doesn't talk about this stuff, which is why I have a love-hate relationship with the media, because they talk about Toys R Us, you know, public company. After being in business for, what, 75 years, they drop like flies. And they right. talk about how good they have a chocolate going down 1,200 locations, but they don't talk about the small private businesses on every street corner, in every town, in every state across our great nation. These businesses are dropping like flies. And guess what? Small business employs over half the U.S. workforce. If we lose small business, we're losing jobs. When we lose jobs, we lose spending power. There's right. a trickle-down effect and more small businesses will close. So my biggest accomplishments are really helping business owners exit rich, help saving America's economy by saving one business at a time for going out of business. Averages, we also sell companies for 20 to 40% higher than what they appraise for. My record to date is 165% more than what the business appraised for. And another big accomplishment is writing free books. You know, I wrote Save Business for What It's Worth. I wrote Contributed to Think and Grow Rich Today. And I also wrote Exit Rich. Plus, I have another book I wrote that hasn't come out yet. And then I'm writing a book for rich women. I, I keep the name of the title, but something rich one. And so those are really all of my accomplishments. Part, you know, partnering with business owners like the graphics company. They spoke at my birthday party a few years back and said, look, Michelle didn't just save our business. She saved our marriage. Oh, wow. And she saved our family home because they were about to get divorced. They were working 14 hours a day and they took a mortgage out against their family home and they were about to lose their home. So those are huge accomplishments. I mean, I don't know how you really top that. <laughs> oh, thank you for sharing that. And you bring up a point that I've often wondered about. So you see businesses that have been in business seven, eight, 19 years, and you think, oh, they're doing really well. But I have personally seen folks who they decide to shut down the business for whatever reason, and then they go back to work, right? And so what are some of the things that you're seeing that are making these businesses that you think have made it, right? What are some of the things that you're seeing that are causing them to be in danger of failing, even though they've been in business for 10 years and you think they would have it all figured out, right? Yeah. And that's a good question because when you think about it, why are 70 why are startups successful now when they never were in the past? And why are 70% of businesses that have been in business 10 years or longer going out of business? There's lots of reasons for that. First and foremost, I say 70% are going out of business because of the lack of aim. Aim is AIM. Always innovate and market. Always innovate and market. So business owners become complacent. They want to keep doing things the way they've always done them. One thing that we should have learned, especially over these last two years, is if you don't innovate, if you don't continuously reinvent your business yourself, if you don't pivot, if you don't keep marketing and innovating, you're going to go out of business. And so many entrepreneurs are control freaks and they're like, well, it worked for 10 years. I'm going to keep doing it this way. Don't fix what's not broken. But look at Amazon. It's a perfect story of innovation. When Amazon started, they were a small book fulfillment center. And they asked themselves three big, huge questions that every entrepreneur should ask themselves. 
And one question was, what business are we in? So all women entrepreneurs, men too, but especially women, you can ask yourself, what business are you in? And Amazon said, we're in a book fulfillment business. And then the second question is, what do we do really well? What do we do better than anyone else? And Amazon said, we do book fulfillment better than anybody else. We do fulfillment better than anyone else. Not just book, just fulfillment. So the third most important question is what business should you be in? Mm. And Amazon said, we should be in a fulfillment business, fulfilling orders for everyone around the world. And that's what they did. Then they're like, oh, we need to be in a grocery business. Let's buy Whole Foods. I spoke on stage with John Malkey. Actually, I was on the pitch tank with him who owns Whole Foods. And they're constantly innovating. So they're like, well, we're not selling groceries. We need to buy a grocery store chain. So they bought Whole Foods. Then they said, we want to be in movies. So they started creating movies. So you can't ever stop. You're either growing or dying. There's no in-between. And when you stop, then that's when everything will stop. And so that's what business owners do. They stop innovating. You can't do that. Look at Blockbuster. Blockbuster saw Netflix. They had the opportunity to buy Netflix or innovate. And they did nothing. They just sat there and rested on the laurels and said, hey, we're Blockbuster. Nobody's going to bounce us off the block. <laughs> what a big old voice. And guess what? They're out of business now. So if you're going to be in business and you're an entrepreneur, you always got to keep thinking, how do I innovate? How do I stay ahead of the game? You got to be preemptive. Ask yourself what's coming next. You know who did that probably better than anybody? It's Steve Jobs with Apple. He was an amazing innovator. And so innovation is key. The other reason why you see businesses close up is because other than innovation and marketing, they've never planned their exit. There's a reason why 80 to 90% of businesses never sell. Because business owners don't think about selling until they're burned out, until an internal, external catastrophic event occurs. Internal could be health issues, partner disputes, divorce, death. External could be this pandemic that we've been in the last two years. Nikki, when you're in the middle of a catastrophic event, guess what? Your business is going down, down, down like a sinking ship, like the Titanic. And you can't save the Titanic. That's why they end up closing their doors, end up selling pennies on the dollar, end up going bankruptcy. Plus, here's another big reason I really want everybody to hear. And this happens all the time. Business owners, the, when you should sell is when you're in your prime. When your business is doing well, and when you're in your prime, when you're on Amazon, you don't sell when you're a blockbuster. But so many mm. business owners want to hold on, hold on, hold on, because they're in their prime. They're like, I'm king of the hill. This business, a queen of the hill. This is a woman's show. You're queen of the hill. And you're never going to be knocked off your pedestal. That this is going to last forever. Well, nothing lasts forever. What goes up must come down. Nothing lasts forever. So when you're in your prime, but so many business owners want to hold off. Or they'll get an offer and like, oh, you know, you're only paying me five times or four times my EBITDA. I'll just hold on to it for four years. They hold on to it and competition, something happens. The industry changes dramatically. And now they're out of business. Mm. So usually your first offer, a lot of times, could be your best offer. But right. when you're doing great is when you should sell. But I have so many sellers, like I'll bring them an offer like, oh, I'll just hold on to it for three years. I go, go ahead. Go walk into Vegas, play the craps table, <laughs> put your money on the table. Because you don't know what's going to happen in three years. Nobody thought the world was going to shut down for two years. And so what would you say, and I think I know what your answer is going to be, but as somebody who is just starting out, they've maybe been in business three years or so, when should they start thinking about a possible exit? 
The day they open their business, the day they start thinking about buying a business or starting a company, they should be thinking about their exit. And here's why. The reason 80% of businesses don't sell is number one, business owners don't plan their exit. They don't think about planning an exit until a catastrophic event has occurred or they're completely burned out. They can't take anymore. You know, a lot of people are trying to sell right now because they're like, we can't take the employee market. Employees are crazy. Employees want so much money. There's no loyalty anymore. Like, we can't do it. We're done. We're out. And I know I have a lot of close friends who've gotten to that point. Or it doesn't sell because business owners have created a glorified job in which they go to work at every day versus a business that actually works for them. Business owners haven't created and haven't built a sellable business that someone actually wants to buy. It is a competitive market because there are 30.2 million businesses at any given time, 30% to 40% will be on the market. So it's competitive. So whoever builds the best asset, the biggest spaceship, the best business, the company, the owner is going to sell for maximum value. Business owners don't build a business that somebody wants to buy. Business owners build a job. That's why I will exit rich. Because exit rich is not about selling your business tomorrow. Exit rich is about building a sustainable business that you can scale. And when you're ready, you can actually sell that somebody will want to buy it. And that's why you should read it from the beginning and it's kind of like when I go into partners with someone, Nikki, I'll look at the business and everything. I say, okay, we're going to follow the GPS exit model, which is in my book, Exit Rich. And so I'll tell my partners, look, what's our destination? What do we want to sell for? It's called the GPS exit model. When you want to drive somewhere, if you don't plug in your destination, you go nowhere. Or you're driving around in circles. Same right. thing with your business. If you don't plan that sales price, that destination, you're going to end up nowhere. You're going to end up struggling. So I tell my partners, look, I want to exit for 50 million. Mm -hmm. If I can't exit for 50 million, I'm probably not going to partner with you on it. Because you ask me, what's my criteria? One of my criteria is, can we have a 50 million exit or a buy? Anything under 50 million is not really worth my time. So your destination, 50 million. Next, you need to know, where are you starting from? What's your current location? You need to have an evaluation. You need to know what your business is worth. Most business owners don't even know what their businesses were. So if we say, okay, what, 50 million? or $5 million today. What's the time frame? Let's say five years. And that's what I do. Every time I go in to look at that partner with a business owner, this is what I do. This is my destination. This is what you're worth today. This is our time frame, five years. This is who our buyers are going to be because there's five different types of buyers. You got to determine who your buyers are going to be. And then you got to know what your numbers need to be to get a $50 million exit. It's not rocket science, but then you got to know, well, there's five types of buyers and my buyers are going to be strategic competitor of an equity group. What's the buying criteria? What are they looking to purchase for? What will make a business a buyer, a business buyer, pay more money, a higher multiple for my business than anyone else that's looking at my company? So, and then you've got to build your business based upon those criteria. And you build your business to suit. It's kind of like, Nikki, when we go into business, we go, we go here's our widget, right? And we know we're not going to be everything to everybody. We say, here's our widget like you. You specialize with women, right? Women are your target audience. You're not right. trying to go after everybody. So we go, okay, here's my widget. Here's my target market. You've got everything to meet that target market's criteria, what they're looking for, what their problems are, how you can solve them, et cetera. You don't try to be everything to everybody. Same thing with your business. Your business is your widget. And this is your target market. And you need to find out what are they looking for? Buyers buy. Buy EBITDA, cash flow. But guess what? They also buy contracts. 
They also buy databases. Facebook paid nineteen billion dollars for WhatsApp, and WhatsApp is emerging money. But WhatsApp had a billion users. Right. So they pay for contracts. They pay for celebrity endorsements. We got a client working with Oprah. Guess what? We're going to get a high, high, high multiple. You know why? Because a strategic will want to work with Oprah. Everybody wants to work with the queen of everything. Right. You know? I took it just so I could meet Oprah. So they also pay for patents and trademarks and all this stuff. So that's why you should plan your exit from the day you start and build your business on what we call the six P's, which is the infrastructure. It's the backbone of your business. When you go in and start, we want to build a house and you hire a contractor. They don't just pour the concrete and then build up. They go deep beneath the ground. They want to test the soil. They want to make sure it's good. They want to make sure it's not going to take them later. They put in all the lines that are needed right before they pour the concrete. They drill down deep and they build the foundation deep within. And then everything is built on top. Most business owners never really build a solid foundation. That's why their business goes out of business. That's why their business is not sellable. And those six P's are people, product, processes, proprietary patrons, and profits. And so you need to build your business on the six P's from the beginning. You don't wait till 10 years later to go, oh my gosh, I'm so burned out, Mickey, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Big mistake. Right. I love that. I think you are speaking truth. Real truth is that people don't build that infrastructure because it's not the sexy part of the business, right? People are more focused on their product or their marketing or all the things that people see. And your analogy of the house is everything that's above the ground. And that part that's underground that it's not seen, but it makes so much difference in how you show up and how you can withstand Anything that comes your way, super important. I don't think people spend enough time on that part. Yeah, if you don't dig deep and put the pilings in, the first strong wind that comes by is going to blow your house down. Great. (laughs) Same thing with your business. So, and it's really important to build a business, not a job. And one of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make is their control breaks. And they think, well, gosh, if I want to do it right, I got to do it myself. Well, guess what? You'll never grow like that. You'll never go with that mentality. You've got focus on your strengths, how your weaknesses, and you don't build a business, you build people, and people build a business. I love that. Quotable quote. You don't build a business, you build people who build your business. I love that. Love that. Well, Michelle, tell us a little bit more about your book. You've, you've talked about it a bit. Tell us about your book and any other programs or products that you have coming up. So I'm very proud of Exit Rich, as you can tell. 325 pages of solid information. There is no flaw. Anybody that reads Exit Rich, I mean, I've had so many readers come to me and say it's the best business book I've ever read. And Exit Rich is really not just a book. It's a blueprint. It's a roadmap to get you from A to Z, to get you to start your business building it the right way without you in it. You should be working on your business, not in it. It is a complete roadmap to starting your business and building it to be sustainable, scalable, and sellable. Steve Forbes endorsed Exit Rich saying it's a goldmine for entrepreneurs as they leave a lot of money on the table when they go to sell their business. Sharon Lecter is my co-author who wrote with Chad Hordown with Robert Kiyosaki. And she also has written several books in the Pulling Hill Foundation. She's a CPA, financial literacy expert, and advisor to many presidents, including President Obama. And so she's asked some mentors 
section after each one of my chapters. So I'll write all the chapters she writes in the tour section. And so endorsed by Kevin Harrington, Les Brown, Brian Tracy, Tom Hopkins, some of the biggest entrepreneurs out there, Jay Samet, who wrote Disrupt You. We also got, gosh, so many big entrepreneurs. We got Jeff Hoffman, who found the Priceline and founded the airport kiosk. We got Alec, who found a constant contact. So some other big names. But again, Exit Rich is all about building a sellable asset, not about selling a business tomorrow. And so I encourage everybody to get Exit Rich. If you're outside of the United States, I encourage you to go to Amazon because shipping from here to anywhere outside of the United States is cost prohibited. If you're in the United States, you can go to Amazon, all the Hudson bookstores and all the major airports. You can also go to Barnes & Noble, your favorite bookstore. You can also go to ExitRichBook.com. ExitRichBook.com. We're selling the book for $24.79 plus shipping costs. Plus, we're giving you a lifetime membership into the Exit Rich Book Club, which includes video content and me really doing deep, deep, deep dives and these different strategies and techniques I've been teaching for the last 20 years, plus documents. Nikki, we have documents to operate your business, documents to sell your business. So we have sample org charts, employee handbooks, not compete. To sell your business, we have sample prospectuses. We have sample uh, due diligence checklist, purchase agreements, letter of intents, closing docs. All these documents will cost you over $50,000 to construct. I know because I paid the money. And they're all available for your review and your download at exitrichbook.com. The other program that we have just launched is the Road to Exit Rich. And the Road to Exit Rich is all about getting your business ready to sell. And you can be three years out, four years out, five years out, or you can say, hey, I want to sell my business in a year. I know there are things that I have to get done. So the Road to Exit Rich includes time with me, time with my team, includes analysts. It includes really everything you need to get your business to where it needs to be so you can maximize value. And that's the Road to Exit Rich. You can also visit us at SilerTucker.com, SilerTuckerAcademy.com if you want to take the 6P quiz and find out how strong your business is or how weak it is. You can go to SilerTucker Academy. And then you can also, last but not least, follow me on social media and listen to my podcast, Exit Rich. Great. We will share all of that information in the show notes. So Michelle, one question, if folks are listening right now and they're thinking, oh, Exit, that's all about the financials. My accountant should handle that. What do you say to that? I say absolutely not. (laughs) I mean, yes, your accountant should prepare if you don't have an internal bookkeeper, or internal CFO, then yes, your accountant should prepare your P&Ls, um, your tax returns, things of that nature. But your accountant should not do your evaluation. You should go to the M&A expert to do evaluation because it's not just about the financials. It's about the six P's. When we evaluate businesses, we look at six different methods. And one of them is the six P's. So if you're not making a lot of money, but you got a huge database, it can be repurposed and retargeted like Facebook did, like WhatsApp did, then we can sell your business for a lot of money. So we appraise your business not just on numbers, we also appraise it on those synergies that we know competitors and strategics and pegs are going to pay a lot of money for. CPA doesn't know how to evaluate synergies because they don't sell companies. We know how to evaluate synergies because we have buyers. We have over 50,000 buyers in our database. We know what our buyers are looking for. We know what synergies they're willing to pay top dollar for. 
right? So you don't just go to your CPA now. And plus, your CPA just doesn't really understand the profit margins. And like we look at your overhead and tell you what you should cut because it's not just about marketing, 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 sell, sell, sell. It's also about running a tight company that's really knows where every penny is going out the door and what's working and what's not and really reducing that overhead. Yeah, thank you for answering that. I, you know, I really think your six Ps get into the other assets, right? It's not just about revenue, but these other assets that a business can have that I think small businesses often overlook because it doesn't necessarily have a dollar value explicitly attached to it. So I, I, what I'm hearing you saying is there are other assets that your business can. Well, create. and those other assets can take you from a four multiple to a five to an eight to a 10 to a 15. Plus profits is the last peak. The reason why I put profits last, because profits are always number one <laughs> in most business owners' mind, but I put it last because lack of profits is never the problem. Mm. You're not making money in your business. That's not your problem. The problem is if I don't have the right people in place, which is the first few people. Maybe you're in a dying industry, dying product. Like during this pandemic, restaurants took a huge hit. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of restaurants closed. Or maybe your processes are not buttoned up so it's not efficient and it's costing you a lot more overhead than it should. Maybe you don't have checks and balances in place, so you're being embezzled and you don't even know it. Three out of five companies are embezzled every single year. Wow. Maybe I'm a protector of proprietary assets and you never filed for a federal trademark. So now you're fighting a lawsuit because you don't want to rebrand. You don't want to get rid of that company name. So maybe you have customer diversification and you have 60% of your revenue is tied up with one customer, not one customer walks. You just lost 60% of your revenue. Lack of profits is never your problem. It's the symptom of not running on all five feeds. Great. Thank you. I think you just set some people free today with that. <laughs> <laughs> so Michelle, there are two questions I ask every guest. And so the first one is, what are one or two songs that are on your power playlist and why? Yeah, it's probably hard for me because, believe it or not, I'm not a huge music person, even though I live in New Orleans and the heart of jazz. I'm, I love music. I'm just not a music person. Like, I don't like, oh, this is my song. This is my song. You know, I'm not that kind of, kind of person. I just did a celebration of life with my best friend, and I had to have her sister pick up songs, you know? But I would say, I love Mozart, and I make my child. I have a, I love my old daughter that's in gymnastics, and she wants, she wants to do her gymnastics routines to rap. And that's great because I love rap. But it doesn't get her in the right mental state. Mm. And I like Mozart because I think it can get you in the right mental state. I don't know. My husband always quotes a song that I've been home taken, fried up in a pan. <laughs> I still let him know that I'm a woman. That's <laughs> and he's my man. <laughs> he tells me that all the time. That's hilarious. And what is one book that you would say has helped you thrive in business? I learned an accent rich <laughs> that I wrote. I would say, you know, that's tough too because there's so many great books out there. I've always loved Napoleon Hill Foundation. I always loved Thinking Grow Rich. Yeah, Thinking Grow Rich. I mean, that's huge. But I've also learned a lot from The Millionaire Mindset from Deepak Eckert. And mm -hmm. The Millionaire Mindset is all about your financial thermostat. Because when I interview people to work with me, and my goal is for everybody to make six figures. But if they haven't made six figures before, they probably won't make it with me. Because it's a financial thermostat 
that has been set probably because of negative association around money from their childhood. And so the millionaire mindset really works on your association around money and how you grow up and the messages surrounding you as a child. So the millionaire mindset is great because if you don't change up financial thermostat and you don't say, okay, I'm going to make $100,000, then you'll never make $100,000 because it's internal. If you look at business owners who have filed bankruptcy, they always make it back. They always make their money back because if you've made a million dollars before and you lost a million dollars, you'll make that million dollars back again because it's not your ability to make money. It's your ability to keep that money and what that means to you. There's a lot of business owners that will make a million dollars and spend it all in a month because they have a disassociation with keeping money because of how they were programmed about money when they were little and it starts in the home. Also, I like the one thing by Gary Keller and Keller Williams. And the reason I like the one thing so much is because entrepreneurs are like, squirrel, 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 squirrel. <laughs> I have that same problem. Squirrel, squirrel. That's why I have specific criteria now for what I buy and what I invest in because I'm like squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. And a lot of business owners, especially women, women are so guilty of this. We take on more than we can handle. Mm. If I advise a woman on her business, she's like, oh, I'm going to do all 10 things. I'm like, no, 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 you're not. We're going to narrow it down. We're going to focus on that one thing that will make the biggest impact in your business. Because there's no way you're going to do all 10. It's going to be frustrating. You're not going to be successful. Then you're going to feel like you failed. And you won't make any movement at all. You won't make any improvement. So I think that's very important. The other book I really like is Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And my co-author, Sharon Lecter, because Robert Kiyosaki teaches all about, we're taught to go to a good school, go to a good college, get out and get a good job. And that's security. Right. Job secu- There's no such thing as job security. So he really talks about entrepreneurship is the best form of security. And he also talks about if you want to buy a $100,000 car, you don't take your money and buy that $100,000 car. You take that $100,000 and invest it in an income-producing vehicle that throws off the cash for you to buy that $100,000 car. So those are really good books. Right. Thank you for sharing that. Well, Michelle, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. I'm so glad you took the time to share with us about your book, your programs, and your life philosophy. I'm just really fascinated by the whole M&A industry. And I'm just really glad that there's a woman out there representing and helping business owners exit rich. So going forward, that's my biggest mission is to get 40 women, 40, underneath my umbrella, Sala Tucker, as M&A females. And I really want women who are maybe single moms. I want women who have great sales experience, whether they've sold real estate, insurance, financial advisement, whatever they've sold. I want strong, independent women who have a tremendous amount of self-experience and some business acumen, and especially struggling females who are single parents, things like that, maybe been in domestic violence, abuse situations. And the reason for that is because I love empowering women. And so it's my goal to open up 40 offices, solid trucker offices, powered by women, operated by women, owned by women. So that's a program I have too. I love that. I love that. And I actually, I can think of a couple of people I can send your way. So that would be great. Now there is an investment, just clear transparency, because you have to have skin in the game. 
Mm-hmm. I can't take five days out of my, <laughs> my schedule training you. Plus, it's a mentor program. It's an actual partnership with us to ensure your success. But yeah, if you got some, send them over. Well, Michelle, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. And I look forward to seeing all the great things that are going to happen for you next. Thank you, Nikki. I appreciate being on your show. And I appreciate adding value to all of your listeners. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Women Thriving in Business podcast. If you like this episode, share it with a friend and then join the conversation on social media and let us know what you learned or what resonated for you. Be sure to like, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Until next week, keep thriving.